we're back. This is the elder of the Dallas podcast group. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the show, which I am running solo today. When in doubt, go through some open tabs. What are open tabs, you may be asking? A lot of the time when I find topics that I'd like to discuss with Jose the dad or one of the other co-hosts of the show, usually the topics stem from open tabs on my phone via Google. These open tabs could be anything from an alien sighting that was reported via the BBC. What the hell did you just say? Uh, something from a group on Facebook that does reactions or covers stories from movies and TV. Maybe an article from Crunchyroll. It could be anything, but the point is I have a bunch of open tabs on my phone. Rather than waste them and, uh, you know, wait for some other day to bring them up, I might as well try to get through them in this episode of the show. So that being said, open tabs, let's uh, let's get into them, as they say. This first article comes via comicbook.com. Squid Game reality TV show is heading to Netflix. This was reported June 14th of 2022. Squid Game has become a global hit under Netflix's wing, so it should have come as no surprise that the drama has spawned a universe of its own. According to a new report, the streaming service is preparing to turn Squid Game into a full-blown reality TV series. Squid Game The Challenge promises to take survival series genre to the next level, all while tempting players with a truly massive cash prize. The update comes from the head of global TV at Netflix. Variety says the reality TV series is being billed as the biggest to date. Thanks to its cash prize, Netflix will pit 456 players against one another with a prize of 4.56 million hanging over their head. The article goes on to explain that there are a few key points of the survival series and they all come from Squid Game. Players will be pitted against each other in numerous games inspired by the original Korean drama. Contestants will also be tasked with forming alliances and more as the player pool dwindles. So if you like mind games, this reality series will be the thing for you. Oh, reality TV, you cease to amaze me. Of course we're going to make a fucking TV show out of Squid Game. The the bones are there. The format is there. They wrote the story. We're just going to turn around and, and make our own thing now. Right now, Netflix is searching for players to join Squid Game Challenge in an open casting call. Anyone who speaks English can audition for the series. Anyone, and literally anybody. Anyone who speaks English can audition for the series, and if they are cast, they will join hundreds of others in the 10-episode special. How exciting. Honestly, things like that are cool. I can't say that I wouldn't tune in, because with the dynamic of what played through in the Squid Game uh, movie, or the Squid Game series, I should say, sorry, with the events that unfolded within the Squid Game series, as far as the as far as the competition aspect, I would be curious to watch that too. I, you know, I'm I'm of the age where I watched MXC or where I watched, you know, Ninja Warrior as it was then ported over to the States. I even tuned in for American Gladiators, you know? It's it's one of those things we we as a society are drawn to reality TV because it's it's so tempting what could happen. It's so beefed up and it really has nothing to do from reality. It, it, it veers so far from reality and you watch enough TV and you find out the way that everything is filmed and how things are somewhat scripted or they're at least led in a certain direction. So drama will unfurl and um, I guess the sprinklings of dramatic aspects within the competition. But at the same time, it will be entertaining and tons of people will tune in and they'll, I'm sure, move it on to, uh, to expanded series. I can say that I'm not curious to see it. 
Our next article comes via IGN. HBO Max is getting an Aztec Batman animated movie. HBO Max Latin America will be taking the Dark Knight to Aztec Mexico in a new project titled Batman Azteca. Choque de Imperios. Clash of Empires is what it's titled. The original Spanish language animated film will place the world's greatest detective in Aztec, Mexico and center viewers in the arcane culture of Mesoamerica. Borrowing beats from Batman's origin story, the film will follow a young Aztec boy as he trains with his mentor, developing equipment and weaponry in a temple of the ancient Bat God. But unlike the other Batman stories like Batman Three Jokers or Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins, which saw Bruce Wayne choosing not to exact revenge against his partner's killer, this project will seem to center on our protagonist going after the Spanish conquistadors who murdered his father, the village leader. Though a release date and trailer is yet to be seen, Juan Mesa Leon, the director of the Harley Quinn series, will direct this feature, which will be produced entirely in Mexico and showcase top local talent. In addition, Alejandro Diaz Barriga, an expert on Mesoamerican studies and the ethnic history of Mexico and the Andean region, will work closely with the team to ensure the indigenous representation portrayed in the film is appropriate and relevant. It seems very cool. The idea to me is very creative. I think, well, as far as like the blanket term of cultural uh, representation is, is very intriguing to me. I, I think it's a really neat idea, but call me biased again. For our next article, we jump over to Crunchyroll. Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, reveals global theatrical releases for its latest film. Crunchyroll has officially revealed the global theatrical release dates for Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, with the highly anticipated film set to debut around the world beginning August 18th in Australia, New Zealand, and on August 19th in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Ireland, and more. The film will arrive in more than 2,300 theaters in the United States alone, as well as select U.S.-based IMAX theaters, which would be cool to see at an IMAX. Tickets for the U.S. and Canada will go on sale as of July 22nd. The Dragon Ball series creator Akira Toriyama is in charge of the original story, screenplay, and character design for the film. The film follows Dragon Ball Super anime series, as well as the events of the blockbuster Dragon Ball Super Broly feature film, which hit theaters in 2018. The film went on to gross over 115 million worldwide. Dragon Ball Super Superhero is described as such. The Red Ribbon Army was once destroyed by Goku. Individuals who carry on its spirit have created the ultimate androids, Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. These two androids call themselves superheroes. They start attacking Piccolo and Gohan. What is the new Red Ribbon Army's objective? In the face of approaching danger, it is time to awaken Superhero. But from there, we will move on to an article from comicbook.com an update on Aquaman 2's Amber Heard recasting rumors do you talk to fish juicy the blast reached out to Amber Heard for comment with a spokesperson stating the rumor mill continues as it has from day one inaccurate insensitive and slightly insane the original story is below a new report has indicated that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is currently looking to recast Amber Heard's role as Mira Jess Jared reported an insider told the outlet Warner Brothers decided to recast Amber Heard's role after screen testing the movie they're going to be doing reshoots of Jason Momoa and Nicole Kidman 
But there have constantly been rumblings from fans and scoopers that Warner Brothers would look to replace her after her public court case with Johnny Depp. The report also stated that the role of Mira would be played by this new actress in any future DC films and projects, which is understandable. Obviously, if you're replacing a permanent character within this uh, franchise that you're building, uh, you know, having to go along with whatever unstable DC universe that exists now. But I mean, is it surprising to hear that Warner Brothers, you know, after this big mess of a case where Amber Heard was found guilty or where she lost the case against Johnny Depp, is it surprising to hear that Amber Heard is going to be recast? At least this is news that is unfolding, you know, post-case in comparison to the way that Johnny Depp I guess you would say pre-case or, or as the case was unfolding, Johnny Depp was fucking dumped from everything. So, I mean, is it surprising to hear now or or would it be surprising for anybody to know that Amber Heard is being dumped from her, uh, you know, from her current role with Warner Brothers? I don't think it's that surprising. Again, maybe a little bias on, on my part because I am very team Johnny Depp, but I don't know that this story to me or the, you know, the, the story as it's been unfolding isn't very surprising. It, it's not. I mean, if anything, it's, if anything, it makes sense. I mean, you know, it's tit for tat. If you're going to do it to one person, it's, you know, is it surprising that it's going to happen to you know, the other party that is connected with, with this whole drama? No, not really. You know, if anything, I think it just makes more of a mess for the movie in this case that although it is separate, it does fall within this same universe as the the production of the movie. But Ezra Miller himself has also been re reportedly pulled from uh, any future works, I guess, having to do with DC. I don't know entirely because I've read several articles that show that kind of is pending judgment. He's like causing just fucking chaos everywhere. I don't know. Like, he's become a real life villain. That's just a mess. DC. How many tries is DC going to get before it establishes its it's stationary DC universe, you know? I mean, we're now in 2022 and it, DC has yet to produce a, a stationary, consistent, active DC universe that can go head to head. Although, I mean, granted, we do have Black Adam coming out, but which looks cool via trailer, but we have yet to see the movie. But via the trailer, it does look really cool so far. Then again, it's Dwayne Johnson, you know, just to kind of put a cap on it. What is DC going to have to do to establish its universe so that it can really sit down and, and game plan as far as how to play catch up with the already established Marvel Universe. I don't know. We're not going to do with Amber Heard's help if she is being recast, which I mean, hey, yolk on your face. You know what I mean? This article itself comes from IGN. Legendary Wu-Tang Clan rappers contribute to TMNT Shredder's Revenge soundtrack. It's not so much news, but it's like it's information that tacks on to the arrival of the game. Two legendary hip-hop artists from the Wu-Tang Clan are featured on the soundtrack of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Produced by T. Lopes, the song We Ain't Came to Lose. <laughs> oh, I said that really funny. Has both Raekwon and Ghostface kill a contribute verse, Ghostface raps from the perspective of being Shredder, saying that he'll squish turtles and how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are fake ninjas. Fake ninjas. Take that how you will. Raekwon's verse is from the perspective of the turtles, where he references extra-large pizza and mentions a few of the characters' weapons like Leonardo's sword and Michelangelo's nunchucks. 
the vinyl and CD for the soundtrack will be released soon as well. The full soundtrack for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge will be available on June 16th via streaming and download. Kid Katana is also taking pre-orders for CD standard vinyl and limited edition vinyl versions of the game's soundtrack. They're set to ship on October 28th. The limited edition vinyl runs for about $60 and only 2,000 units of it are available. In our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge preview, we said chaotic combat, engaging boss fights, and a killer soundtrack is what makes a great beat-em-up game, and Shredder's Revenge is looking to check all those boxes when it comes out this summer. As of this episode, I also did our very first guest interview with Daniel DeCarroll, known as Steve's Magic on Twitch, and we actually touched on this as well, the fact that he was excited to jump on Twitch and try to do some streams of this game when it premieres. Well, this game has been on my radar since it was announced, and it looks great to me. It's It really harkens back to just an old-school side-scroller, like a beat-em-up, kind of like Streets of Rage, and so I was really excited to play it as well. Also, you know, I'm a big fan of the franchise. I've been a big fan of the franchise since I was a kid. A big part of my, again, my formative years at, you know, being introduced into nerd culture. My son is also a really big fan of the Ninja Turtles. And so I I was uh, excited to, you know, get a copy of this as well, just so that I could uh, jump into it, which I may. I don't know if I, I definitely would like to. Well, to be honest, I'm getting kind of bored with it. Hey, how about this? Yabba dabba! Nah, it's just not you. As we begin to wind down with our very last article, I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. We always say it. We're just trying to get this this show back on the road. I, I really am trying my best to think of something to restructure it. I may just get this show to 100 episodes and then just call it a day. You know what I mean? But... Again, to wind down, this is our very last article of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. This comes to us from Polygon.com. One Piece manga will take one month break ahead of storied conclusion. Mangaka Ichiro Oda announced the break via Twitter. Ichiro Oda, the creator behind the long-running manga One Piece, announced that he would be taking a month-long break following the conclusion of the recent arc in order to prepare for the series' 25th anniversary. The manga will be on a hiatus in the weekly Shonen Jump magazine from June 27th until July 25th. After the pause, the manga will return with one final saga, according to a popular fan translation Twitter account. The tweet reads, Breaking news, with Wano concluding, One Piece will be going on a one-month hiatus from June 27th to July 25th so that Oda can prepare for the final saga. One Piece is one of the longest-running and most beloved Shonen series of all time, It was first published in 1997. Since its start, the weekly serialized story has spanned over 1,000 chapters. This is the largest break from the manga since Oda took four weeks off during the time skip, after which he helmed the series in a new direction. Fans are debating whether the announcement means the story has one arc left, or if it simply means the story will come to a conclusion soon. Regardless, we've known for a while that Luffy's story has finally come to an end. In 2020, Oda said One Piece will end in five years. One Piece follows the story of Pirate Luffy and his quest to become the Pirate King. During his journey, he builds a formidable and lovable crew known as the Straw Hats, recruiting beloved characters like the Swordsman Zoro, Nami Usopp, and Tony Tony Chopper. One Piece has also been adapted to an anime, and in 2020, Netflix announced a live-action adaptation of the series. On Tuesday, Netflix showed more details on how production is progressing, including a look at some of the extravagant boats. We'll come to see in the new series. Additionally, the manga will get a video game that tells the original story for its 25th anniversary. I'm such a huge fan of One Piece. I've been a fan of One Piece since it first premiered uh, when I was a child, and I followed it ever since. And then we'll get 
two piece, which will then be the Shippuden of One Piece, and it'll be amazing, and I won't follow it. <laughs> no, I am very excited. I know Oda has stated that we will have a definitive ending for One Piece. As any news for One Piece comes in, I'm sure we will speak about it, but uh, I am very excited. I'm also very excited for the Netflix series as well. The casting looks great. They have shown an actual design for the Going Merry, which looks pretty cool. I, I won't lie. I'm I'm glad it veers a little. I've seen some negative comments about it online, but I mean, that's to be expected, but it looks really cool. I like the way it looks. Obviously, it's supposed to be like realistic ship. It's not going to be the Going Merry from the, the animated uh, series or from the manga, you know, but uh, it is cool nonetheless. I, and I'm excited to see what comes from it. Also, one thing that I, I want to tack on, although, you know, take it as you will, but I've said it before, as fans of nerd culture, there is this kind of like unspoken, like racial bias within casting. So far, the casting for the anime looks great. But I read something recently online after, you know, following this article, and it was questioning the casting for Usopp, being that uh, I believe he is like, off the top of my head, I think he's a lighter skinned African American kid, or he may be English. I'm, I'm not quite sure because I haven't looked into who the actor is, but. I don't know. I just think it kind of goes in line with the conversation that we had a while back when the casting for Starfire first premiered and it was an um it was a young lady of African descent, you know, whether she be American or English, but uh the casting for Starfire was a big thing because she was black. She wasn't, you know, white or whatever the uh the perceived whatever the perception is for the actual character skin color of Starfire. But uh, this is kind of the same thing for Usopp. I, I just don't get it. Like, it's a fucking show. I've already read some of the, ar you know, some of the arguments for Sandman as well, that some of the castings are, are to be questioned. And I'm like, Neil Gaiman's a part of the creative team, like for the casting. So what the fuck is the, like, what is the issue? Oda, I'm sure has like some input into the, the casting as well for the, uh, the live action series. Like, who the fuck cares, man? It'd be one thing if we go to Fishman Island and it's nothing but normal people walking around. And you're like, hey, where are the Fishmen? And it's like, oh, no, this isn't Fishman Island. It was, uh, we had to go back and rewrite it. It's now just a civilian island, pedestrian island, vagrant island. That's neither here nor there. This is the episode. Those were open tabs that we have so far. We have a bunch of other ones that I hope to get to. Hopefully soon I can do another round of open tabs. But these are the open tabs that we have closed off so far. I hope you enjoyed them. I had fun. This was cool. A nice little chat about things that you may care about, you may not care about. But we will find out once the episode premieres. Tune in for the episode with Daniel DeCarroll, Thief's Magic. Big shout out to him. I'm really excited for that. Hopefully it was good. I'm going to say that it was good at the time of this recording. It was great. It turned out great. We'll have him back. If you want to join us, again, get in contact with us via our social link. Shout out to Milkshake, our uh, Instagram, Facebook, email, links to our Buzzsprout and to the uh, streaming platforms that we are included on are all there. It's one comprehensive site. Go check us out. I am the Elder. As always, thank you. Spay and neuter your pets. Don't touch the thermostat. Tune into Raised by Nerds. We're out. Thanks. <laughs>